Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are looking forward to spending another week with you. And today we're going to talk about neighborliness. Why being a neighbor still matters, though. We think in this world that we live in, whether it's digital media or the fact that we're becoming a bit more isolated and a bit more lonely and family looks so different, right? Because there's this influx of people into cities. So we no longer have our aunties and our uncles and our grandmas and our grandpas and sort of this rootedness in community and this rootedness in our neighborhood and in our city. But it's important that we still be a neighbor, though. That really does matter in order for our connections to feel strong and our our cities to feel strong and for our life to have a significant amount of meaning and purpose. Community really matters. Yeah. I I was thinking of how, you know, due to news and digital feeds and all of this, it can feel as though everybody's hurting one another. Everyone's against one another. Everything's just going to hell in a handbag. Right. And the actual truth is crime is is down from where it was in the 90s. Uh, But societal trust has continued to go down when in reality there is room for it to go up. And so not only do we not trust people, we we are so fearful and there's just that subconscious um, separation that we have put, you know, we've just erected these walls that leaves no room to be a neighbor. It leaves no room to care for one another, even though we may not get anything in return, even though we may not have a lot in common. We rob ourselves and our quote unquote neighbors of a dignified exchange because we have just decided, I don't trust you. Yeah, it's so true. Can I tell you one really practical way that that I'm trying to practice this neighborly? Please. Letting us rely on the neighbor as in the other. Yes. Um, And uh, forgive me if I've already shared this with you, Ashley, but I'm really trying to give Jericho, my oldest, opportunities to have trust, have trust and to really make his own decisions and problem solve. And so one of the ways I've done that is I've taken my grocery list and I've I cut it in half with some scissors and then (laughs) I hand half to him when we walk into the grocery store and I say, I'll see you at the end. I'll see you at the checkout when you've got everything on your list and we'll meet back up in like, you know, 20, 25 minutes, whatever the case may be. And we're in Trader Joe's, so it's not huge. There's only two entrances, exits, whatever. And I said, if you need help, ask somebody, ask a neighbor. Ask the person around you if you want to ask somebody who works at Trader Joe's. You know what they're wearing. They have the Trader Joe's shirts. If you want to just ask a stranger, say, pardon me, do you know where the cilantro is? Or pardon me, do you, do you know where the zucchini is? Like, whatever you need to do, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I love and, that. Um, yeah, and he's like, oh, so you want me to talk to the strangers? And I'm like, yes, I want you to talk to the strangers. And this idea that we have, we're treating strangers like the enemy, not everybody's going to kidnap you. And obviously we have things in place. If somebody touches you or grabs you, here's what totally. you would do. And he's, he's eight and looks like he's 10. So I don't yeah. think that's going to be an issue walking around Trader Joe's, but yeah. he's got, you know, he's got the tools necessary to, to make it aware that what's happening is not well. And the other people around him can, you know, notice that thing. And I'm going to get letters being like, you let your kid go and the Trader Joe's by himself. You are not going to get letters. Guys, don't send us letters about this, okay? There are a million other things to be mad about. Could you not? Yeah. (laughs) But it was this idea that like, no, let's treat everyone like our neighbor. Let's, and just building that little bit of societal trust. And, you know, when you think of a neighbor, 
um, it really means the other different not the people we like you know when we think of our neighbors next door to us and i know um i've been to where you live and your neighbors are sweet as pie they are just it they're so sweet just a little chit chat on your way in and out and i remember one time you told me it would be completely unacceptable not to acknowledge somebody even if you were in a in a hurry and i love that i love that i acknowledge you you are a human being human being that i am crossing paths with right now like i acknowledge you Yes. And I, I'm, we're absolutely crazy about our neighbors. I can't say we've always been crazy about our neighbors, but we have some fabulous neighbors and we feel very gifted to live by so many different people. And um, even al- although I live in a little suburb and a develop- little development in that suburb, um, you know, across the street. In fact, I can see them walking outside of their house right now. Um, she's Japanese. Next to me, she's German. The other side, they're African-American. Behind me, he's Finnish. Um, Kitty Corner, they're Korean, uh, all, all, most all of them immigrants. Um, and then two houses down, there's an Indian couple. So it's just, it's beautiful to to get to know and then to care for somebody yeah. so different than myself. And I think that right now, we need that so bad in our we nation, do. don't we, Ashley? I think we need that so bad in our world. We don't do. you think being neighborly would solve a lot of issues, Ashley? I really do. I think that if we just understood the basic tenets of kindness and consideration, our world would really change. I've been um, looking at that passage of scripture that talks about the kingdom of heaven is like, and it's a really Mm. long passage. And it just Jesus telling these different things about the kingdom of heaven is like, and the one that always stands out to me, it's a very, very short run. It almost feels like a throwaway in the midst of this like sermon that he's preaching. But he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a little bit of yeast that gets woven into the dough. And so often I think about how inferior I personally feel sometimes to make a difference in the world that we live in, especially Mm -hmm. where fear is very pervasive, which you already talked about. And digital media is sort of polarizing us more than it's drawing us together, even though it's a great tool for connection. It can feel like it's really polarizing us as people live out their ideals and their values as strongly as they want to. But I think about the kingdom of heaven being a little bit of yeast. And so what does it look like to just have the level of kindness and consideration for every person you meet? And thinking about even your online experience, because you talk so beautifully about the personal lived out experience in your actual neighborhood or in a grocery store with your children. And even online, what if we just thought to ourselves, is this kind? Like before I post this rant, is it kind? Is it considerate of all the people who will be reading this in my feed? Or do I just think to myself, oh, well, if they don't like it, they don't have to read it. You know, like, could we just operate with the same level of kindness and consideration that we know we would if the person was sitting right in front of us? The things that we would not say in person, but we so courageously say it online. I think that it's really important to operate with kindness and consideration. And my husband, oh my gosh, Tiffany, you guys don't even understand. He has... The patience of, I don't even know how to describe it. He's the most patient man I have ever met in all of my life. It takes so much to make him angry. Um, But if you really want to make him angry, do not consider him. Use a lack of thoughtfulness around my husband and you will see him get upset because he just thinks like, this is just basic human decency, like to be thoughtful and considerate. Exactly. And so for him, it's a big deal. I really learned that watching him. I mean, he really is very thoughtful, very considerate of others. And we need to do that. Like it should just be a basic requirement of being a human. Can I tell you from my own experience, just how kind your husband is? Please, because it's true. The people Listeners, I just want to say if you're eating, <laughs> stop right now. Put down... The bagel seasoning and the avocado toast, because what I'm going to say is not going to be great when you're slurping down your frappuccino. (laughs) 
many, many moons ago, I was pregnant and we were on vacation and Mm -hmm. down in Southern California where Ashley and Cody used to live. And they, they met up for dinner and they hopped in our rental car and we were off to some little cantina for dinner. And on the way back, um, Cody was in the back with Jericho. Jericho was, gosh, what, three? Probably three years old. Yeah, he was really And he was all of a sudden not feeling good. And it came like a wrecking ball. And he just, it was just like puke everywhere. And Cody, this is pre-dad Cody, I'd also like to add. Mm -hmm, Sure was. He just stuck out his hands to catch it. He did. (laughs) Like a split second. Do you remember that? Yep. I do remember, (laughs) of course. He didn't even think twice. No, he didn't. He just threw his Mm-hmm. giant claws out there and he caught did. that puke yep. and just and he said it's okay buddy and then he and King, you know Jer- I said King said no Jericho was starting to cry and he, he was like was. it's okay buddy it's okay buddy we're gonna get you cleaned up it's okay buddy it's okay buddy mm-hmm. Jericho remembers that the only thing he remembers from that trip to Disneyland <laughs> right is Cody catching his puke right okay and so that's said, the power of neighborliness is yes, it not you know yes. that's the power of neighborliness at three years old he's like but yes. remember when Uncle Cody he helped yes. me and I was oh. like, I do. And he's like, remember, I was so sick. And Uncle Cody was right next to me in the car. And then he helped get me out. And I was like, I do remember that, buddy. I do it makes my that. heart so happy. That's so and sweet. And it's just, it's missing. It's few and far between. Or at least it's missing from the narrative that we see all the time. Because I do yeah. think, you know, most people want to do good. And they are good. Like, the most people you'll meet are wonderful human beings. But I think sometimes we are currently indoctrinating ourselves with media to tell us otherwise about humanity. And yeah. I think there's such great hope. Um, you know, the great Mr. Rogers, Tiffany. <laughs> Ooh, give me that throwback to a kind oh of more God, gentler right? time. I'm serious. So he was a seminary graduate, right? So an ordained yeah. minister. Yeah. And he was sitting watching TV one day and just thought to himself, he was watching like Three Stooges, Three Stooges type of television mm-hmm. where he was realizing like, okay, this is funny. It's like slapstick comedy, but it's it could be used for a much more powerful medium. Like actually this media sitting in front of me could be used for so much good. And it births in him this great desire to create television that could, you know, inspire people to live well, that was actually saying something, not just being funny for the sake of being funny, but adding no value, but actually creating media that would add value to people's lives. And so he started to. It's incredible. Totally. I once heard a quote from him. He said, I went into television because I hated it so. (laughs) (laughs) That was an interview with CNN. So powerful. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But like you said, it could be an instrument to nurture those who would watch and listen. It really can. I really draw so much strength from Mr. Rogers. And also some days Daniel Tiger raises my children. (laughs) So it's really important. Oh, I miss the Daniel Tiger days. Gosh, that Daniel Tiger. I know. He's so good. Adults could deal with some Daniel Tiger. Adults. You know what? That should be required. Like, you take your driver's test, you register to vote, you watch the you episode watch Daniel of Daniel Tiger. Tiger where he has to be nice to the neighbors. I, I agree. Know, and he like sings that. the song, Think About How Someone Else Is Feeling. You there know, you the go. one on empathy. Everyone, there it should just go. be a requirement. requirement. <laughs> I think that a. Just as you said, there there has to be room to invite others to be a neighbor. And he yeah, did that so really did. well. And I love that his faith was the driver because he loved people. Yeah. He he legitimately loved people and thought, I can I can let this be the compass in my life and yeah. let TV be the conduit That's it. for his life's work. And yeah. he really did it. I mean, I, for four decades, Ashley. Four it's, decades. It, I know. It's incredible. 
And I love that he was a minister who found a way to minister. You know, it's mm. like the church walls couldn't hold him. <laughs> right. Oh, that's so You know, powerful. like how beautiful that he was able to figure that out. And I think the whole Bible is built on neighborliness. Come at me if you want to. But I think the whole Bible is built on neighborliness. From the beginning to the end, God is trying yeah. to create ways for us to understand how to love one another, how to love yeah. ourselves and how to love him. And so I think neighborliness, the way that Mr. Rogers worked that out, and that he was so dead set on impacting the next generation, right? Like so Sometimes I wonder if he was like, look, I came full with these adults. I don't know if they're going to be able to learn these lessons, but I'm going to start with these children. And I think yep. that's really powerful. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I remember as a little girl. And one of the things that when people were asked to describe how they felt when they watched Mr. Rogers, and before I tell you what they said, I was shocked that I had the exact same answer as hundreds mm. of others when they... And I think about, I loved Mr. Rogers. I remember sitting, uh, my brothers are quite quite a bit older than me. And so they were off at school and I was still at home. And I would every morning, you know, five days a week, watch mm. Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Wow. And the crayon episode was my favorite to see mm. where crayons were made. Um, but I just felt so safe. I felt so safe wow. and cared for and seen. But safe, I can say, is just the number one word. And um, whether you came from a family that, you know, was healthy and safe or whether you didn't, Mr. Rogers made you feel safe. Right. And that was the answer that everyone, Dang. that so many gave when they watched Mr. Rogers. It wasn't this, like you said, slopstick. It wasn't Blue's Clues. It wasn't um, even Sesame Street yeah. with all the bright colors and anything like that. Yeah. It was super low budget, low tech, straight to camera, him talking about different things going on in our world and how things work. And in a very quiet, calm manner. And he... He didn't believe that children were beneath understanding hard concepts. He just he presented in a way that they that could part. understand that was appropriate. But he didn't feel the need to be flashy. Yes, I love. You kids could see through that. That's right, and I love that he talks so often about making the ordinary the thing. Um, like I think that's really powerful, and his show was a great example of that, where it was just ordinary moments of life, but teaching you how to live live in them and lean into them. Yeah. Because there is so much power in ordinary, and that is the bulk of our existence, is very, very ordinary. And it's nice to see that. And I love that word, you safe. Because yeah. I think that's part of it, right? Because it's not extreme on one end or the other. It's not overly entertaining. It's not, you know, all the things that you would expect media to be. It's ordinary. And we can live our ordinary life. It's powerful. Yeah. And part of being a neighbor does mean we deal with divorce or death or racism. That's it. And I think Fred Rogers knew that. I, yeah, I think about the did. the famous, iconic episode where Officer Clemens, yes. who was also one of the first regular roles yep. um, for an African-American on children's television, but they both um, took off their shoes and socks yes. and put their feet together the in a shared pool. And that was during the time when there was de there was segregation of swimming pools, public swimming pools. Yep. And so Fred Rogers is thinking, I'm going to say something about this. How can I do that? And and to, to to take off his shoes and socks and get his feet in there and this was the way he could have his say. Yeah. In in the in such a large medium to really yes. make a difference when so many um you know, white communities didn't want black people come in to swim in their pools because they believed erroneous lies yeah. you know obviously lies are erroneous but they believe these <laughs> lies that that you know there would be disease or all of these things or it would be dirty all these stupid crazy things that yeah. aren't true and he had such a passion for the gospel and it really came through in that way of here's how i can serve my neighbor yeah i can serve my neighbor 
It's so powerful. And I also think about the puppets that he would use to speak to societal decisions. Like when the war was happening and um, he kept using the king of the castle to talk about that and how the king just wanted to build a wall to keep everybody out instead of embracing this new season of diversity and embracing this new season of opportunity for people to know one another. And so I thought that was a really powerful episode as well, is watching, um, you know, this king do the exact opposite of neighborliness keep everybody out versus, hey, bring them in. Let's learn one another. Let's know one another. And I feel like from that episode to the washing feet episode to the one that you just mentioned about the pool, he was always making beautiful commentary for children who were trying to understand these overwhelming concepts. Like this is what people are talking about at the dinner table, right? Yeah. And then he's giving them a whole other spin on these um, very big life moments for kids. Absolutely. I think... Um... It can feel so easy to assume everyone's like you. Oh, gosh. That's a right? Word. We get yes. in the echo chamber and we just think, this yeah. is how everybody thinks. This is how everybody does yes. life. But yes. I think a, a, a kid growing up in Seattle versus a kid growing up in Birmingham, Alabama, yes. they're going to have a drastically different experience yeah. of the world around them and yes. what they think is right and true and normal. Yes. And I'm not saying either of those is wrong. That's, That's not what right. I'm saying. I'm just saying that it could, it could feel like, oh, everybody believes what I believe because you're surrounded by people who geographically perhaps think like you vote like you eat like you uh, exercise like you go to school like you fill in the blank right yeah but then you travel to somewhere so different than you and it's not they're wrong and they're right it's not us against them there's got to be room for that middle ground to be different but still be neighborly to be different but still recognize the validity dignity value and honor and never ever cross the line of dehumanizing yes i love that because different isn't wrong right you know and i think that's the real thing we have to keep remembering and drawing ourselves back to is someone living a different life than you is not wrong it just means that they do it different and sometimes obviously with things like racism or sexism those things are just wrong we need to call those out but somebody choosing to live a different way or have a different lifestyle honestly it's really none of our business frankly yeah and obviously i just want to clarify one more time just what ashley said when it comes to issues of yeah sexism and you know the pay gap and all of these things and racism those are wrong 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 we do not say silent we speak up correct we move toward justice but because that's part of neighborliness doing that work right because we care for the other that's exactly right we care for those different when i think of the scripture when i think of the good samaritan yes we care for those who are different than us we care for their needs just as we would want our needs cared for yes that's exactly right that is neighborliness but but at the same time being able to be like just because you eat differently or walk differently or learn differently or fill in the blank differently i'm doesn't mean you're wrong we have to have room for people to think differently than us and not demonize them Yes. I think too, it's, it's about earning the right to speak, you know, and mm. earning the right to say something. So I think so often we've been trained to have a commentary on other people's lives. Like we oh are just gosh, set up to judge and we are set up to allow ourselves to determine what's right and what's best and what's true and what's not. And because of that, we don't allow ourselves the opportunity to make a real meaningful connection 
that then could give us an opportunity to learn and to grow and to change our mindset, you know? And for me, that's what's been so powerful about cultivating diversity my whole life is making sure that I have different people at the table of my life and my heart and my story because I want to change. I want to grow. I want to constantly resist the temptation within me to know all things, (laughs) to determine the best things, to say what's right and what's not right and constantly allow myself to be in position to go, you know what? Wow, that's very different than the way I learned. Or wow, that's very different than the way I've seen the world. Tell me more about that. Like we are not the ultimate judge and jury of all humanity. It's not our job. It's not our role. And we need to step out of that. We think we know other people's struggle. We think we We know other people's problems. We think we know what's wrong and what they need to do to fix it. Yeah, but we don't. (laughs) We think, yeah, we think, you know, I think of how many of us find it so easy to project on people who have been incarcerated oh well if they just do this and this and this then come on or if they just wouldn't have done this and they wouldn't be in this situation it's like there's more to the story there and we can't assume that we know the heartache or what it's like starting life over or what it's like navigating life after but you know what i mean we we just think we know all the things oh they just need to do this or if they just need to do that or this or whatever yes and i think well have you do you know anybody who's gone through that exactly are you a neighbor to somebody and by neighbor we mean acquaintance, friend, someone who cares. You know, yeah. we, we have to be willing to listen. I think listening makes a great neighbor. Yeah, and listening makes, makes, makes an neighbor. amazing neighbor. So Ashley, as we wrap up, what are some things you think we could do to be a neighbor in this time and day and age? Yes, I think living, working to live an unhurried life is a good way to become a good neighbor because if you're always in a hurry and maybe i'm speaking from a new york context listen that could be absolutely true in this new york context where i'm going to one thing to the next i have a meeting over here i got to take the kids over here i got to work over here i got to go 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 but when i actually take the time to say hello when i actually take the time to look up when i actually take the time to be present i recognize that i'm a better neighbor like i can remember walking down the street something so silly in our neighborhood we don't have parking lots like that's not a thing in new york so you do street parking and I remember walking by a neighbor's car and then having to reach out to her, uh, to another neighbor, because I didn't have this neighbor's phone number, and just say, hey, her her back window is down. I'm not sure if she meant to do that or not, but can you please let her know that her back window is down? And she just responded back, you're a really good neighbor. Um, and it was just like, a, it's a tiny little thing, right? But if I'd been rushing and been on my phone or been doing whatever, then I wouldn't have seen the fact that her back window is open. Anybody can reach into her car and grab anything they want. So mm-hmm. I think it's living unhurried for me and being it's present beautiful. is the best way that I I can be a good neighbor. I think another thing we can do, and we talk about this a lot on why though, because we really think it will help you, <laughs> is don't be a meanie pants on the internet. Okay, it's Please, just not a great idea. Just, it's not a good look. No, and and I, you know, the creators of all these social media platforms say they created them so we can connect with one another, Mm-mm. not destroy one another. So maybe we'll just go with their mission statement. If we could just, and just not, go back uh, to that ideals, yeah. <laughs> And I, I mean, I think about a couple months ago, April, April, I was um, attacked and shamed by this gal who uh, thought she knew better and thought she knew me and thought it was okay to speak very intimately about my life and work and what I represent. And I didn't say anything back. I just deleted it. I was like, no, hmm. I don't have to, I don't have to engage in this. That's not, that's not kind. I don't have, I don't have kind words for you. So that's I'm not right. And then she, after I deleted what she had said, she came back a second time on a different post that I had put up. And um, and then I blocked her. And so I, I'm saying to you, 
we don't have to get in this rigmarole. We don't have to, we don't have to fight back. We don't have to go back. We can just end it. Right. We can just end it. We don't have to make room for that. That's right. And then if somebody's talking, I don't think that there's room for conversation there. But if if we're going forward, if we're saying something, being able to ask ourselves, is this kind? Yeah. Is this neighborly? Would I literally say this to my neighbor across Come the street? On. That's it. Asking ourselves those questions. Um, another yes. thing, I the late Rachel Held Evans often said against those who would spar against her on twitter she said i would picture them on the floor playing with my kids yeah that's beautiful picture them on the floor yes. playing with my kids my dear friend mary glenn um she's a professor at fuller and it's just one of the most remarkable human beings and while she is so deeply connected to the realities of life she is one of the most hopeful people that i know and so that beautiful um thing that lives in her that's like yes these are all the realities of life but i have hope she always says to me ashley the way that i manage um to love other people that do not love me or love other people who i don't have very much love for is i remember you are the beloved in christ Mm. and you are my brother you are my sister and she said that is my starting point so whenever i look at them whenever i think about them i think to myself you are my brother you are my sister we are the beloved of christ and to me that was a real game changer she also is the type of person who will say very often i pray mercy over them. Mm. And for me, that's been a very helpful experience is to just pray mercy over people that I feel like don't deserve any. For me to begin to pray for God's mercy over them has really changed my heart towards others who are not like me. I love that. And the caveat there, for those who I don't think deserve it. Yeah. That's so beautiful, actually. So beautiful. So I think (laughs) not going crazy on the internet. I think um, living an unhurried life that applies anywhere you live. Yes. And I also think praying mercy yes praying if this is an area that is a struggle for you um i think it's a struggle for all of us because we're human honestly i think we all could use some work in this area and i encourage you listener even think right now of somebody who just they just it's like sandpaper Mm -hmm. on your back of your neck right it just is not ideal (laughs) and pray mercy over them yes who is that neighbor that quote-unquote neighbor in your life that you're like whoo jesus jesus (laughs) Um, mercy and seeing them as the beloved because they are and so are are you so are you thank you neighbor for listening (laughs) we can't wait crazy about you yes we are and we can't wait to be with you next week all right see you then Bye. bye hey listeners remember to subscribe and comment it helps others to find the show to learn more about tiffany's writing speaking or books visit tiffanybloom.com To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.